Welcome to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Dr. Rogelio Ralzola, a PhD in health, exercise, and sports science, a strength coach with over a decade of experience in personal, collegiate, and professional settings, and a sports scientist whose main goal is to use testing and data to maximize your health and performance. And I'm Brooke West, holistic registered dietitian, practicing the perfect combination of a functional nutrition, science-based root cause approach, and hippie magic, with areas of expertise in women's health and hormones, gut health, and micronutrient balance. We believe that health is multifaceted, but not as complicated as others make it seem. Our mission is to share what works and what's BS in the health industry, all while having a good time doing it. Expect us to share everything from new research to tried and true health philosophies to alternative health therapies and the occasional controversial topic. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered podcast. My name is Dr. Rowe, and I'm here for another snack time episode. Um, today, talking all about protein, my favorite thing to talk about, right? Um, a Jim Bro's favorite thing to talk about, if you will. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk today uh, about one of my favorite studies that has come out in a long time. And um, if you follow me on social media, um, I posted about it on my personal story. Um, but on my uh, ROI Health, I also did kind of a, a breakdown of the study. Now, the study is, you know, it's it's a lot. Um, and I, obviously, I, I thought it was great for a snack time episode. But to do it all in a minute for an Instagram reel or a TikTok video, it's just very difficult, leaves out a lot of things and ultimately leads to more questions. So I wanted to talk about um, that and 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 kind of be able to speak to it a little more freely and, and you know, uh, dig into my, my thoughts a little more um, without having it to be too nerdy <laughs> and get people lost uh, in the sauce. So um this uh, the study that I kind of keep talking about has to do with the upper limits of protein utilization. So, um, if you have been around long enough um, in the fitness space, in the wellness space, in the health space, whatever you want to call it, you've likely heard that you know you shouldn't eat more than twenty five to forty grams of protein at one time um, because your body kind of just doesn't use it all, right? Um, which I, you know, kind of understand. It's something that I have never fully bought into because I would have like, <laughs> I would have a whole bag of chicken um, right before bed when I was in college. And I know this is anecdotal experience, right? Um, but that was, you know, a lot of other compounding factors. I was my youngest, I was my fittest and I skipped class to go lift. Um, but you know, I never felt like I, I was not hitting my protein goals, even though most of it was being had late at night, all at one sitting. Um, and you know, so whether it was a, a bias that I had that was like, oh, no, this is for sure working. Um, or I just didn't believe the stuff at the time. Um, I just something felt wrong. It didn't make sense to me that, that our bodies would just throw protein away or utilize it as an energy source when we have carbohydrates, when we have fat, and when we have adipose tissue that's going to release energy, you know, whenever, whenever we, we need it. So um, yeah, that, that ultimately got me, you know, kind of being on the side of we 
can and do use all, if not most of the protein that we ingest, even if it's a lot at the same time. And this study that came out last year in December, so December 2023, by Tromelin uh, and his group or their group um, was was just kind of an icing on the cake of 12 years of fighting this. But if you are interested, um, the title of it is called The Anabolic Response to Protein Ingestion During Recovery from Exercise Has No Upper Limit in Magnitude and Duration in Vivo in Humans. And uh, just a a great title way to say after resistance exercise, you know, there is no upper limit for how we utilize protein um, within the body. So the top takeaways of this right off the bat are that timing of protein probably doesn't matter as much as we used to think, especially when we're thinking about gains. So specific to muscle hypertrophy, um, if I get enough protein in during the day, I'm going to see results. I'm going to feed my body enough um, building blocks to be able to to build the muscle that I want and that I need. Uh, so that's the first thing. And the second one is that the amount of protein we can utilize is way higher than we first thought. Um, I, I will get into this later, but I think we get really caught up in what causes muscle growth, right? There's a lot of noise out there on like, What's the best protein? What's the best protein source? What's the best training split? What's blah, 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 blah. Like, if we want to get bigger, there are two things we need to do. You need the stimulus. So you need to train. You need to train hard. You have to push yourself consistently. Um, And arguably more important is you need to eat enough. You need to have enough protein. Otherwise, you're just doing all this work and not actually laying down a foundation. But when you zoom out, right? Those are the two things you need, stimulus and enough protein. Um, and the protein and, and stimulus thing, it's important because we are in a constant state of flux between anabolism and catabolism. And anabolism is our uh, body's ability to build, uh, you know, proteins, processes, whatever. Um, and catabolism is the breaking down of that. And so I think when we when we realize that we're in a constant state of flux, it makes sense that it's like, oh, well, I should be eating consistently. I should have typical feeding practices of like, you know, four to six times a day so that I can keep myself above this threshold on the building side and that I never dip down on the on the breakdown side. And I think that that makes a lot of sense, right? It, it makes sense that I should be having 25 to 40 grams of protein four to six times a week or however the math checks out that you get enough for your lean body mass. Um, but it, it also, you know, it, it's like on the other hand, it is inherent that if we had like one big meal or two big meals um, that checked all the boxes of getting our, you know, micronutrients in, getting our protein in especially, like, why wouldn't that be enough? We look at animals, like, and, and how, and we're animals, is whether you want to believe it or not. Um, we are not really special when it comes to physiology uh, in within the animal kingdom. But if a lion um, or, like, pri- primarily meat eaters, like, they have to hunt, they are going to hunt 
they're not going to have successful hunts most of the time. And so would it make sense for them to get a meal, like kill their prey, eat it a little, and then be like, oh, I'm not going to, I don't want to waste this, right? Um, No, they're going to eat it all, and their body is going to utilize all of it. It's going to store what it needs to in fat um, if if they have been eating well, which, you know, it's hard to find like a really fat animal uh, (laughs) out in out in the wild. Um, And then they're going to stay strong for a couple other reasons, right? Like that's animal physiology. But the fact that they are utilizing all the protein that they eat probably speaks volumes. Um, So yeah, it's just just something to to think about when we think about our our feeding practice. And, and while we tend to believe that 20 to 25 grams or 25 to 40 grams is enough or is what we should be limiting our our feeding to at one time. Um, and I want to step back and kind of figure out like why, why we believe that. And it's because 20 to 25 grams is enough to stimulate the process of muscle protein synthesis. So if you have that much, right, 20 to 25 grams, and it has a high amount of leucine in it, which is an amino acid within the protein, then we're going to stimulate the pathway to say, hey, it's time to start building. But that doesn't mean that's all you can use. It's just enough to turn on the process. Uh, As well, most of the studies that have been done on protein utilization have been done with less than 45 grams of protein over a short duration, so less than six hours. And because most of the research has been done in this fashion, it's kind of just re- um, I can't think of I can't think of the word right now, but it's it's really just like instilled this. Oh yeah, we can only use up to forty five grams per six hours. Um, but the study that we're talking about today, or that I'm talking about today, like they took subjects and they put them in three groups: twenty five grams of protein, a hundred grams of protein after sitting, and then a placebo. Right. So the placebo, we won't talk about. Everything was you know just based off of off of that. Um, and what's really cool about the study is that they use a quite, it's called a quadruple isotope tracer feeding infusion, <laughs> which is just a really fancy way of saying that they labeled the protein um, using different isotopes to be able to trace where the protein was being utilized. Um, so whether it was being thrown into like an excess energy sink, um, whether it was being uh, used for uh, energy right now, whether it was going into the myofibrils, so like whether it was being used specifically for muscle um, muscle building, and then whether it was being used specific for connective tissue. So things like, you know, ligaments, your collagens, things like that. Um, and so being able to really find out like, where are we using this? Is it being used? Is it being wasted? Um, and across the board, 100 grams compared to 25 grams was always higher, was always lasting longer. Um, and that's like super important because it's it's just another way for us to see that, yeah, when you have more protein, it is going to be utilized. It's not just going to be thrown away. Um, so to kind of talk a little bit more about specifics, the amino acid in the blood. So if you're unaware, proteins are broken down into amino acids, and that's what we use as our building blocks. And so amino acid within the blood was higher with 100 grams of protein compared to 25. 
And so what this means is that you have more of an availability for it to be used compared to 25 grams, which is great. Like we want to stay in this level of anabolism. We want to be building at all times. Well, you have to have the source. And if it's within the bloodstream more, then there's going to be a higher chance of you using it. The total rate of amino acid disappearance from circulation into the tissue increase in a dose-dependent manner, which means that if I had a higher amount of protein, the 100 grams, more of it is going to disappear into my tissues because more of it is going to be used, right? So that is how we have to start thinking about if you hear that, right? Oh, well, it disappeared more like, yeah, because it was being utilized. Uh, And, you know, it's like without getting into kind of the weeds and loss and things that most people are not going to care about. The, the, the takeaway here is that more protein equals prolonged protein digestion, which then means a prolonged amino acid absorption. And this continues to release amino acids into the circulation. And then that ultimately leads to your muscles are being fed with the protein that they need even more at all times. And that is good, right? We have the supply. And as long as we have the demand that we need it, like it's going to be utilized. Um, and, and I think that someone who, who maybe is trying to like buck back at this, which you should, right? You should go and read the study. You should look at um, all, of, all of the literature over the past, you know, 100 years. Um, may say like, okay, well, you know what? Fine. We can ingest it, but it's not being used or it's being used, air quote used. What does that mean? Um, and one of the reasons I really love the study is because of the quadru- quadruple isotope tracers, because they were able to see where it was being used. And, you know, this, this study really demonstrates that myofibrillar protein synthesis rates, which is the rates at which, you know, the, the actual muscle tissue, um, they were higher. They were 20% higher during early feeding stages with the 100 compared to the 25. Um, but they were 40% higher during the later stages. So from four to 12 hours. Um, we also see this with connective protein synthesis. It's always higher with 100 grams compared to 25, which we can extrapolate and say, well, things are being used like where we want them to, right, within our muscles. Um, And the more we have, the more it's going to be used. That right there is like a, it's a really solid nail in the coffin for people who are like, oh, well, when we have excess protein, we just use it as energy or we poop it out, right? No, this is pretty strong evidence that it's going where we want it to be. Now, I, I think that some of this also comes from People putting together the molecular signal for protein signaling and then like the expression of it and then what actually happens. Um, So the signaling of it, you know, from a molecular process, again, won't get too deep into it. When you eat, especially that 20 to 25 grams, the signal is on, right? Hey, we have food in the building. Let's build this. Um, But signaling is not the same thing as, you know, actually use, 
using it. So the signaling can stay on and, and, you know, starts to die around really four hours after you eat. And that's okay because really it's like having a boss around. You don't need a boss around the entire time you're working. You need someone to say like, hey, let's make sure we're doing this. Boom. That's great. Um, So when we think about the signaling being depressed after four hours, um, but muscle gene expression is still higher, um, especially after those four hours, this is really speaking to the fact that the time course of the molecular response and the actual metabolic response is very different. And there's a substantial divergence that occurs somewhere along the way. And really, again, that's just to to say, hey, even though the signaling processes stop maybe four hours after feeding, the protein is still being used, right? It doesn't mean that like it's all done. So yes, you can have higher amounts of protein. It does get utilized, but it's very important to understand that it does take longer to utilize that. And I think that that makes sense, right? Like we do maybe have a a limit for how quickly we can utilize the protein. Um, and that's okay, right? Like it, as long as we're not under this guise of, oh, uh, you know, we're going to throw this other 75 grams of protein away. Like, no, it's being utilized. It's going to take a little longer, but that's also a good thing because automatically that puts us in the upper threshold of we are building and we are not breaking down. So it's very easy to stay above that threshold of building when you have enough food and then specifically when you have enough protein in your body. So just something again to to kind of reinforce why we want people to be eating, but then also why we need them to be having enough protein. Now, I feel like I keep saying now, right? I'm like rambling, but if you're a real nerd, right, <laughs> really into protein, um, you'll ask, well, what kind of protein was this, right? Is this like plant protein? Was it meat protein? Um, they did use uh, milk protein, um, and, and I, I love the, the reasoning for it. One, there's a lot more studies with like whey protein and casein protein than there is with meat and plants. Uh, two, they uh, did state that the largest contribution to daily protein in the Western world is milk. So, you know, it's like it's going to have the largest amount of like benefit or be able to say it's more relevant because of that. And then milk has both whey and casein in it. So it has both fast as in whey and slow properties as in casein. Um, so we're able to kind of look at this from not just, oh, this is quick or this is slow, but generally this is what we're seeing with all with all proteins. Um, and I think that that's good because it covers enough basis to say, hey, this means that we can safely take this information and apply it to other forms of protein, those being plant and meat as well. Now, no study is perfect. Obviously, um, there are limitations to this study. Um, the first being that like, this was only 12 hours, right? Before it was only six hours. And so there is something to be said about potentially there being a cliff, you know, after 24 hours, um, or that there is no upper limit, like at all. And you could have 300 grams of protein in one sitting. I don't know why you would ever do that. 
um, but that technically you'd be able to use it given enough time. Uh, again, not saying you should ever do that, but theoretically, right, that's what we're saying could happen with the study. But a limitation is that we shouldn't extrapolate that out like that. Um, another thing is that this was done after a bout of resistance exercise. So is it possible that this increase is seen after long runs or after maybe a training session that isn't necessarily hypertrophy focused? Um, or if you do maybe like a sporting event, right? Like we can't say that this is going to have the same results um, if the muscle isn't being uh, simulated the same way. But there's still a lot of conclusions that we can draw from this. The other one that's probably most important is that this is an acute study, right? Our body is very good at adapting to the things we give it. Um, if you tend to not drink water, you, you know, tend to run in this suboptimal state after a long time. Um, and in the same way, this kind of, this could be falling within that, that same vein where, Hey, I'm going to eat two meals a day. It's going to hit my 200 grams of protein that I need. Um, but down the road, does that mean that there's going to be a change in how we metabolize that protein, how we store it, how it's used, how the expression of that has changed? Um, there's a lot of ways that this could potentially change um, if you do it for a long or prolonged amount of time. Um, so just something to to think about if you're ready to, you know, say like, sweet, I only need two meals a day and as long as I get my, my protein in. Um, and then lastly, like this was done on young, healthy males. Does do the same things apply to women? I would argue yes. You know, I don't think that muscle physiology, there's enough evidence for uh, things to be different between males and females. Um, but, you know, do differing hormones play a role? Maybe. Again, I don't think so because hormones don't play that big of a role with muscle protein synthesis and gains anyway. Um, but also, like, if you live in a diseased state or if you have type 2 diabetes or if you have uh, obesity, like, all those things may also play a role in how this occurs, whether in a positive or negative way. Um, so the main the main takeaways here, though, like if you've gotten this far, if I haven't lost you in the sauce that is protein synthesis, is that one, it's important that you eat your protein, that we're hitting our daily goals, whether that's 100, whether it's 250, 250 seems like a lot, um, we have to hit them. I think the most important takeaway for this is that how you hit them doesn't matter, right? Especially if it's like once a week where it's like your busiest days and you're like, hey, on these days I can only eat twice a day, but I can eat a lot and it doesn't affect me. Beautiful. On that day or on those two days, we're going to make sure you eat so much that you hit your total caloric needs, that you hit your total protein needs, and it's not going to negatively impact your training it's not going to negatively impact the you know your uh, journey for gaining muscle and that's the biggest thing is that it gives us more credence to say as long as you get your protein in it doesn't matter when and you give it enough time you are going to utilize it um so yeah i invite you to if you are a fan of studies uh to go read that 
It was my favorite one that came out. I posted about it uh, everywhere. I talked to my friends about it. I talked to everybody at work about it. Um, it was really exciting, like really exciting stuff because of the practicality of it. Um, but also because I'm a, you know, truly a nerd of, of muscle physiology and protein. That's what got me into this. So, um, yeah, check it out if you want. I will put a link to the study uh, in the show notes. Um, as usual, if you have questions about this or you want to fight me on something like this, please do. Um, I know that, like, I'm almost positive Brooke has thoughts about it, right? Um, would be interested to to hear and talk to her more about that. Um, and that means that, you know, I have some opinions going my way, um, which I'm ready for. So uh, let me know if you have any comments, questions, concerns, emotional outbreaks. Um, and until then, remember to always eat your snacks. Now, future me, can we play that music? Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Health Unfiltered podcast. Make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform, rate the podcast, and share this episode. Connect with me, Dr. Alzola, on Instagram at ROI Health. For more details on all things sports and human performance coaching, visit GetROIHealth.com. You can find me, Brooke West, on Instagram at WestNutrition.co. For all the ways we can work together on nutrition and holistic health, visit westnutrition.co. And don't forget to send us your epic questions of the week on Instagram at healthunfilteredpod. Catch you next time.